Father God, thank you that your gift of your son Jesus brings us great comfort and also brings us great challenge. We pray that both of those would be true in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I was and still am the youngest of five siblings that I grew up with, and uh, the brother that was closest to me was my brother Dan, who was just three years older than me. So Dan and I got to spend a whole lot of time together, and it wasn't always the most pleasant time. I think we were typical siblings where we got along quite often, but, uh, but not all the time. Okay, you put, put any two siblings into close quarters for a while, and things just happen, right? Think back to long road trips in our yellow wood-paneled K-car station wagon. Nothing but class there, right? And, and Dan and I spending hours in the back seat together, and as our, our bickering at each other would grow louder, and as our poking each other would get fiercer, we'd get to the point where suddenly my mom from the passenger seat would turn around and say, Enough! There's an invisible line down the middle of the seat. Neither of you cross that invisible line. Anybody ever draw the invisible line in your car? Oh yeah, there's some hands there. If you have drawn that invisible line between your kids and the car, then you know that it really does absolutely no good at all. Right? Because soon after mom did that and drew that invisible line for us, one of us would just, when she wasn't looking, reach over and just touch the seat over there, right? Just because I can. And suddenly, he touched my side of the seat, and World War III breaks out in the back of our K-car station wagon, right? The line has been drawn, and I crossed it. Well, not me. It was always my brother Dan. It wasn't me, of course. Now, Dan and I also ended up sharing the smallest bedroom in the house upstairs. We had to share that room together because we were the youngest. And, and that invisible line didn't always stay invisible because we got at each other pretty well there too. And we got to the point where, where I ran downstairs and I grabbed my roll of tape out of the cupboard and I ran up to the room and I drew that line as clear as could be with tape that didn't rip in half mostly, right? I drew that line right down the middle of the bedroom. And I made it clear to Dan, if I could do that, we need to invest in better tape here at church, I think. I made it clear to Dan that there was no way that he was in any circumstance supposed to cross that line. I made my side and his side, and he better watch out if he ever decides to cross that line. He was in trouble, right? So I gave him that clear warning to stay away or there would be trouble. I, the mistake I made, though, was the closet was on his side of the bed. So all my clothes were prisoners of war to my brother Dan. And just like the line in the back of the car, it really didn't do any good. Because when you got two brothers like that, there's a line and you've thrown the gauntlet down, somebody's just going to go tap on the other side, right? And there you go. And World War III breaks out again. The line didn't last too long, but it was a clear warning, right? We have lines like this all over in our lives, don't we? Lines that keep us safe, lines that shout out clear warnings in our lives that we can't 
won't or shouldn't cross, don't we? So we put down, I put down the line for my brother and made it clear to him, cross at your own peril. Watch out. Be careful. You're standing at the roller coaster, right? Waiting for the roller coaster to come. And there's a bright yellow line right in front of you that's saying, don't cross. Don't cross that line because it could be dangerous, right? You're in New York City, got the subway, bright red line saying, watch out. Don't cross until you know it's safe. It's dangerous on the other side. You have lines in your heart and in your mind, right? Your conscience speaks to you. You're tempted by something. And suddenly, you hear in your mind and in your heart, don't cross that line. You're going to regret it. Don't steal that candy bar. Don't tell that lie. Don't pursue that lust. Don't cross that line because you're going to have to reckon with it sometime. Stay safe. Stay on this safe side. There's lines all over in our lives meant to keep us safe. Meant to protect us. And here in our story today, Joseph, the man that God chose to be the earthly father for his son, was called to come right up to this line. Right? To, to, to come right up and toe that line that he had said he wouldn't cross in his life. And to take one more step. To step over that line where it wasn't comfortable and where it wasn't safe anymore. Right? If you've been here, you know that this Advent, we're, we're listening to the calls that the angels gave through the Advent story, through Jesus' birth story. And Joseph actually received three messages from angels in dreams. We're going to look at the first two of them this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, if you would. Matthew chapter 1, we don't often read the Advent story from Matthew because he isn't nearly as descriptive as Luke. Right? In Matthew's account, there, are, there is no innkeeper. There are no shepherds. There's no angel choir filling the sky. But in Matthew's account, there is Joseph. We get to know Joseph through Matthew. Listen to the angel's first call to Joseph, starting at verse 18. You want to keep your Bibles open, because we're going to read about his second call as well later on in the service. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, listen to this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Here is a call to Joseph to step across the line. Notice how the angel starts when the angel first speaks to Joseph through the dream. The words, first words again are, do not be afraid. We've noticed in all our angel visits, the angel says, whoa, 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 don't be so scared. Don't be afraid. Only for Joseph, the angel's message isn't, do not be afraid because of the angel standing in front of you. It's a different do not be afraid, isn't it? The angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid, Joseph to take a bold stand for God. And his stand, the stand that Joseph is called to take, the step he's called to take on the other side of the line is a bold stand. And, and this line in his life screamed to him. It said to him, don't cross. Don't take that step. Don't go there. Stop. Right, the angel's call to Joseph was to stand with Mary, to protect her. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. Now remember, in those days, I hope you've heard this before, an engagement, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Right? This engagement was more than just kind of a promise, as it is in our culture, that gives you permission to start planning. Right? An engagement in that culture was a legally binding agreement. You couldn't break it without getting a divorce. It was just like marriage, except it hadn't been consummated yet. And, and for Mary to be found to be pregnant before her wedding day was scandalous. It would bring, it brought social stigma and scorn and shame that would be following her for the rest of her life life. And if Joseph, if Joseph went through with this marriage, if he continued on the path and went through to the wedding day, that would be seen by everybody around him as clear acceptance of the responsibility. Joseph saying, yep, it was me. That's my child. I'm guilty. It would be a public confession. And so the line in the sand of Joseph's heart warned him clearly, said, don't go there. You need to get away from Mary. You need to dump her now. It warned him, watch out. Watch out. Take, take your stand on this side of that line. So towing that line carefully, not crossing it would protect his honor. Right? To walk away from Mary... It's to take a stand for morality, for purity, for holiness. And who wouldn't stand for those things? The whole town, everybody would respect him for that. To toe the line and not cross it would protect his reputation. It would be taking a stand for justice, right? Protecting himself from being wrongly accused for something that he didn't do. Joseph, such a good guy, he even figured out how to do this well. And he still loved Mary, heartbroken, but still loved her, so he was going to divorce her quietly. Right? No, no public trial, which was his right if he wished to choose that. No public shaming for her. And everything around him and everything within him screamed at him 
Take your stand on this safe side of the line. Don't cross it. Watch out. It's not safe over there. And then God comes to him in a dream. And God's message to him is, Joseph, step across that line. Step across that line and take your stand over there with Mary. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Step across that line and step into the danger and step into faithful obedience. So Joseph has a decision to make. Right? Where will he stand? Where will he take his stand? Will he stand here, towing the line, where it's safe and secure, where he can protect himself and his reputation and his heart and his life and his business? Or will he choose to step forward in obedience? And will he take his stand here where God has called him to stand, where it is risky, where it is dangerous, where it's costly? What will he choose? We read his answer in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home to be his wife. He took the step. He crossed the line. He listened to God's command. And he took the stand of obedience. A dangerous one. A costly stand. And yet a faithful one. We don't get to read the details, but... We can be very certain that Joseph paid the price. A high price for taking this step. He paid the price with his reputation. He paid the price with his honor. He paid the price with his social standing. He paid a high price for crossing that line. But he also experienced great reward. Right, because of his courageous stand of obedience on this side with Mary, he gets written into the birth story of Jesus. He gets to be placed on the stage of God's salvation drama. What a privilege. What a joy. What an honor. And now you and I today, 2,000 years later, we stand in the very same place that Joseph stood that night when the angel interrupted his very comfortable life. Right? You and I have drawn this line of protection in our lives. We know where it's safe to stand, don't we? We know the price that we will have to pay if we step over that line. And yet I'm convinced that that's exactly what God is inviting and commanding each one of us to do. Like Joseph, he's calling you, he's calling me to step over that line of protection that we've set for ourselves and to take a stand, a dangerous stand for him. For what we know is right. Even if it's not safe. You know that it's not safe to step across the line and to stand with that classmate of yours 
who you see every day in the hallway being bullied, being teased, being mocked, being excluded. It will cost you a lot if you choose to cross that line and stand with that classmate. It will cost you your social standing, probably. It might cost you some friendships. As if you stand with them, others are going to walk away from you. It will cost you the, the ability to be part of the cool crowd, whoever defines that cool crowd, right? Because they won't, they won't let you in if you're standing with him, if you're standing with her. But what if God is calling you in your elementary school, in your junior high, in your high school? What if God is calling you and saying, I want you to step across that line? Leave behind the safety, the safety that comes from ignoring what's going on. You don't need to participate in it, but it's safe just to ignore the bullying, right? And God is saying, no, that's not good enough. I need you to take a stand for what you know is right. And step across that line, no matter the cost. We know it's not safe. We know it's not safe for us, those of you who are pursuing degrees and new careers. It's not safe for you to, to pursue a career that focuses on people instead of a fat paycheck. Right? That's not safe for your financial future. That's not safe for your retirement down the road. We know it's not safe for you as parents and grandparents to let your kids and your grandkids know that if God's calling you to go far away from home, go. I give you permission to go. That's not safe. It's not safe to say to them, if God's asking you to go on the mission field even, go far away. Step across that line. Will we step across that line with our kids, with our grandkids, with our career choices when we know it's not safe, when there's a price to be paid? We know it's not safe at work to be the one that holds the company accountable for ethical business practices, right? It's not safe to be the boss or the manager or the CEO who puts ethics and people ahead of your bottom line and loses out on some profits because of that. What if God's asking you to step across that line and hold a higher standard in your business? Would you step across that line? We know it's not safe to open up your home and your heart to that neighbor next door or across the street or just down the block a little bit. And to build a meaningful relationship with that neighbor, that neighbor who probably holds a vastly different perspective on life than you do, holds a vastly different perspective on morality than you do whose lifestyle may even make you very uncomfortable. It's so much safer to surround yourself with church people, to surround yourself with family. We've got more than enough family to keep us busy, maybe. It's so much safer just to keep that circle closed. But what if God's saying to you, invite them over for dinner. Take that step across that line where it's risky, where it's dangerous, where it might be costly, but I want you to I want you to build that relationship. Would you take that step? I don't know. I don't know where God is asking you to step across that line. But I'm absolutely certain that he's calling each one of us to do that somewhere. 
to look beyond our safety and security and to step forward for him, for his kingdom cause. Because if our lives are always easy, and if our lives are always comfortable, and if our days are always safe and secure, if our protection and our comfort is always our top priority, then we are ignoring God's call to obedience. Right? Our, our West Michigan affluent culture has put a high, high value on safety and security. Right? And we often believe that God's blessing on us, the way that we know that God is happy with us, is when everything is easy and comfortable for us. So we protect ourselves from anything that might make us uncomfortable socially, financially. And when we do that, we choose to ignore God's call to obedience. We choose to remove ourselves from God's redemption story. It can go on without us. We choose to stand on the sidelines of God's transforming work. We don't like to hear it. But to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it takes courage. It takes courage to take a stand that comes with risk, that comes at a price. Because our God is not safe. He is good, but he's not safe. And every single one of us here has this line in our lives that shouts to us, don't cross there. It's not safe on the other side. It's dangerous socially. It's dangerous financially. It might cost you a friendship. It might cost you a promotion. It will make you uncomfortable. It will make you unpopular. It might even make you poor. Watch out. Don't go there. And I'm confident that God has already called you or is calling you right now to step across that line. He's asking you, just like he asked Joseph, will you step across that line? Will you trust me enough to stand faithfully with me? What is it that God is calling you to stand for? What does obedience ask of you? Will you let God write his redemption and transformation story in this world through you? Will you be a part of that drama? God's not done with Joseph yet. Okay, Joseph pays the price for asking and taking Mary to be his wife. He pays the price, a pretty high price, but he settles in with his family of three he settles into his life as a carpenter. And then the angel comes back to him in chapter 2, verse 13. The wise men come and go with their gifts. And verse 13 then tells us that when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. 
where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. So there's call number two. First, he calls Joseph to stand here with Mary. And now he calls Joseph to protect this child of his and to move. This time it's not stand, but move. Go, pack up and go now. Go far away. Leave behind your home. Leave behind your business. Leave behind what you've comfortably come to know and go. Go into the unknown. Go into the risk. Go into the danger. Go into this uncomfortable future that I'm calling you to. He says to Joseph, make a move. And Joseph goes. No questions asked. He tells us that he went immediately. Amazing. Joseph does it again. He doesn't choose to protect himself. He doesn't choose to protect his own life. He doesn't choose to protect his own comfort and his own financial future. He chooses to protect the child that God gave him. He chooses obedience, no matter the risk and no matter the cost. His story, again, forces us to look at our own lives and to ask ourselves honestly, where is God calling us to act? Where is God calling us to move for his purposes? Again, it's not a question of if. Is God calling me to act and move for his purposes? It's a question of where. Because Paul tells us that each one of us is God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to move and to act for God's purposes and for his kingdom. You've been called to move. I've been called to move. We've been called to act. You've been called to go for God's purposes, whether that's going across the hallway at school or going across the street at home or going across the country or across the globe. We're called to move. And so many of us stand here with our toes at the line, frozen, choosing comfort, choosing safety, instead of choosing obedience. God twice gave Joseph the, Joseph the call to protect. Protect Mary, protect Jesus. And twice Joseph said yes. But we need to be clear here too. God didn't need Joseph to protect him. Right? God's plans, God's salvation plan through Jesus didn't hinge on Joseph's obedience. It didn't depend on him. Joseph couldn't have derailed God's plan if he would have said no. But he would have missed out on the great honor of being a part of God's salvation story. And that would have been tragic. God's plans that he's working out today don't depend on you. And they don't depend on me. But God graciously wants to include us in those plans, in what he is doing. God wants to accomplish his saving and transforming work in this world through the Holy Spirit moving in you and then moving through you. He wants to write the pages of his spectacular salvation story through you. 
And you and I will tragically miss out on that privilege and that honor if we choose to toe the line, if we choose security over obedience, if we choose safety over risk, if we choose to protect ourselves above all else. We'll miss it. And that's a tragic loss. You know, Romans 8 is a a favorite go-to passage for many of us, right? It's where Paul declares that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. It's where, it's the passage where we boldly declare that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, nothing. It's the passage where, where we declare that in all things we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great passage. One that brings us great comfort. I've used it at, at a number of funerals, right? Nothing will separate, not death or life or anything will separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. They're also words that not only bring us comfort, but if we truly believe them, They should challenge us to the core. Right? If we truly believe Romans 8, that we are more than conquerors, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we are victors, that all things will work together for good when we're following obediently Jesus, then we will dare to obey when God calls, won't we? If we truly believe Romans 8, then we will dare to take that step over the line. That line that says, stop, watch out, it's dangerous, will say, nothing's more dangerous than disobeying God. With God's strength and God's power, I will cross that line. If we believe Romans chapter 8, then we will dare to answer God's call and stand for him, stand with him, and move for him. we truly believe Romans 8 then what are we afraid of what are we afraid of God is calling you he's calling me just like he called Joseph we may not get an angel visit and I'm not sure I want one Instead, we get something even better. We get the Holy Spirit living in us, moving in us, convicting us, alive in our hearts, moving us in God's plan. And God has a plan to use you powerfully. Young or old, doesn't matter. He's got a plan for you. And when you and I hear God's plan, the Holy Spirit convicting us, will we dare to obey? Step off the sidelines and step into the action. Be a part of what God is doing and let God write that transformation story through you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your Holy Spirit moving in us. But if we're honest, we'll admit to you that we are afraid we are scared we have lines that we have drawn in our lives that keep us safe that protect us and we love safety we love security 
We don't like paying a price, and we don't like taking risk. And yet, like Joseph, that's exactly what you call us to. You call us to a life of obedience. And what a privilege that is. Because obedience isn't a punishment. Obedience is an honor. To be used by you. To be set on the stage of your salvation drama. To be used by you to change this world. To change a life. No matter what the cost, Father, what a privilege. My guess is some of us here, Father, have already begun to wrestle with you. Because we know what you've called us to. And we've been pushing against that call for a long, long time. Maybe a face came to mind of somebody who needs us to stand next to them. To stand with them. To show them the love of Jesus, even when there's a price to be paid. Maybe there's a calling in our lives, a career calling, a financial calling that we've been denying for a long time because we don't want to do it. We want to stay where it's comfortable. And yet we know your calling. And Father, maybe some of us haven't even been listening to you. And maybe for the first time this week, maybe for the first time this morning, we dare to open up the ears of our hearts and lives to listen to what you're asking us to do, where you're asking us to stand, where you're asking us to move in your name. Father, take away our fear. Don't let us prioritize our safety over obedience. Thank you for the privilege of being used by you. And help us to truly believe the words of Romans chapter 8. To believe that we are more than conquerors. That all things will work together for good when we love you. And when we step across that line hand in hand with you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of being used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I hope that you'll listen carefully to God. To where he's asking you to step out in faith. And I hope you have the courage to say yes. We're going to wrap up our service. We didn't have you greet each other. At the beginning, I'm going to give you time afterwards here uh, to greet the people that you've been worshiping with. Maybe that's a big enough step of faith for you to find somebody that you don't recognize and say hi to them. Okay, maybe you'll cross that line today. Somebody after first service said, you should challenge everybody to step across that line literally and sit on the opposite side of the sanctuary that they usually sit on. But, well, that might be too much. I don't know. So maybe there's somebody that you don't recognize and you'll step over and get to know them and give them the welcoming smile and conversation that, that they need. I would love to invite you back tonight uh, for our Christmas candlelight communion service right here at 5 o'clock. It's always a highlight of my Christmas, and you won't want to miss it as well. Uh, would you receive God's parting blessing now? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you 
and give you his peace. Peace that comes from saying yes to his plan.